0: Cynthia Hyatt.
1: Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and if you're a first-time listener, I'm so glad that you are spending your time with us today. Thank you for listening, and if you are an ongoing listener, I'm always glad to have you with me at this time in the day, and I hope that your day is going well. So we are talking about gratefulness, and we are talking about thank you, the art of thank you, and what it does to our entire social system, what it does to our physical system, emotional, intellectual, psychological, spiritual, how it affects us on so many different levels and really honoring God's design. And God is a grateful, grateful God. And we are to be grateful and saying thank you and what it does to your whole entire system. So I want you to think about, you know, this whole idea I gave you yesterday, all this scientific research about how gratefulness and writing gratitude lists and saying thank you what it does to your whole system and the battling of disease and depression and and really healing and encouraging and strengthening social bonds so I want you to to think about 20 reasons I'm going to give you 20 reasons why you should be grateful for what you have and this is really fascinating this is done actually in 2013 this was a study done by uh, Jared Wilson, and it, he really looked at the world around us, and this was in, in 2013. And he says that in 2013, 660 million people live on less than $2 a day. I wonder what that, that amount is today. 660 million people live on less than $2 a day. 385 million live on less than a dollar a day. And I can attest to that. When I go to Africa, You would be amazed at what these people live on and how happy and grateful they are as a people. Then we have more than 121 million children are without an education. Wow, that gives us some perspective. 1.4 million children die each year from lack of access to safe drinking water and adequate sanitation. 15 million children orphaned due to HIV and AIDS. How about this? Close to half of all the people in developing countries suffer at any given time from health problems caused by water and sanitation deficits. Imagine, Americans, how much we take for granted. Around 27 to 28% of all children in developing countries are estimated to be underweight or overweight. 870 million people worldwide. 870 million people worldwide do not have enough food to eat. A quarter of all humans live without electricity. That's approximately 1.6 billion people. How about this? Preventable diseases like diarrhea and pneumonia take the lives of 2 million children a year who are too poor to afford proper treatment. As of 2011, 19 million children worldwide remained unvaccinated. And worldwide, approximately 425 million children under 18 don't have safe water. 2.5 billion people in the world do not have access to adequate sanitation, and roughly two-fifths of the world's population. Every time I go to Africa, I go to, when I go to Uganda, you have to know that only the wealthy have running water. So sanitation and drinking water is a huge deal. They have to go get their water every day. They have to walk sometimes more than a mile with these big yellow gallon jugs to get water out of a spigot that the city will give them at different parts of the city. It's, it's staggering. So think of this. In developing countries, approximately 130 million children and teens under 17 have lost one or both parents. And of the 22 countries where more than half the population is illiterate. Fifteen are in Africa. Now that is better now, which I am so, so amazingly grateful for. An estimated 130 million of the world's 15- to 24-year-olds can't read or write. And And many of those are in America. And worldwide, 126 million children work in hazardous conditions, often enduring beatings, humiliation, and sexual violence by their employers. And 1.8 million people, most of whom are children, die annually of preventable foodborne diseases. Think of that in perspective. So I want you to ask yourself, what were you complaining about? Or what do you complain about today? I don't like the way my hair is. Oh, I think I weigh too much. I wish I had more money. I can't stand the traffic. My girlfriend's bugging me my boyfriend's bugging me my kids are so needy are so stressful or they have so many events and so many things they need to go to so many things they're involved in maybe you're maybe you're complaining about a brother a sister maybe you're complaining about your significant other employees having too many employees not enough employees you don't like the car that you're driving Your Diet Coke was flat, right? (laughs) They gave you the wrong coffee. I mean, I want you to think about what we allow ourselves to ruminate and complain on when we might have things in our life that really deserve some concern, deserve some energy. So I give you that contrast of those numbers to think about where am I going to spend my time? If I'm going to have angst over something, if I'm going to be upset, if I'm going to... Think on something. Is it worthy of that thought? Is it worthy of that energy? And one of the ways that I can determine that is by how grateful I am. Because gratefulness really helps me to get perspective on the things that I may be complaining about. And it helps me to really be able to get perspective on my life. So that I can find those things that I'm going to really focus on being grateful for. So we talked about contentment. We talked about contentment leads to if you're discontent, what contentious people are like. And that that leads oftentimes to envy. Envy and jealousy. And how deeply toxic they are. Those two things are to our soul. So I like Henry Nouwen, I think he says Nouwen, I'm not sure if it's Nouwen or Newen, but I love the writing of Henry Nowen, And he does some quotes on gratitude that I just think are so uh, amazingly powerful. And this one is from The Return of the Prodigal Son. It's a story of homecoming. And he says, Gratitude goes beyond the mine and thine and claims the truth that all life is a pure gift. In the past, I always thought of gratitude as a spontaneous response to the awareness of gifts received. But now I realize gratitude can also be lived as a discipline. The discipline of gratitude is the explicit effort to acknowledge that all I am and have is given to me as a gift of love, a gift to be celebrated with joy. I love that. He said, now I realize that gratitude is a discipline And it's an explicit effort to acknowledge that all I am and all I have is given to me as a gift. And it's to be celebrated with joy. I like this one too. This one, this this also says, resentment and gratitude cannot coexist. Since resentment blocks the perception and experience of life as a gift, my resentment tells me that I don't receive what I deserve. And it always manifests itself in envy. So resentment blocks the perception of the goodness. And that resentment also tells me that I'm not getting what I really deserve, that I should have what they have. And it always manifests in envy. So it always says, I deserve all those good things, but I don't deserve all those things that maybe are, that maybe are consequences that maybe are really part of my life. When you think about this, it, it's this idea that gratitude flows from the recognition that who we are and what we have are gifts to be received and shared. And that's out of his book on gratitude and who we are. So this is one of the last ones, and I really love this. Is, this is from his book on Turn My Morning Into Dancing. And he says, perhaps nothing helps us make the movement from our little selves to a larger world than remembering God in gratitude. Such a perspective puts God in view in all life, not just in the moments we set aside for worship or spiritual disciplines, not just in the moments when life seems, e- seems easy. So let me say that again. Perhaps nothing helps us make the movement from, he says, our little selves to the larger world. That's the, the, the little me, the younger me, the more immature me that is selfish and envious he wants. It, he says, gratitude helps us move to the greater world and thinking on God and having gratitude for God's world. And it puts perspective. And it helps us see God in view of all life. Not just when we go to church. So as long as, he also goes on to say, as long as our restlessness, anxiety, and feelings of guilt dominate our work as peacemakers. We can't last long. But when we've opened up each other's eyes to the great human gifts among all people, we can instead make peacemaking a way of living. And the greatest we, service we can offer each other is mutual support in our, con, in our conversion from resentment to gratitude. So he says, we can indeed make peacemaking way of living and the greatest service we can offer each other is mutual support in our conversion from resentment to gratitude we want to mutually support one another in moving away from and resisting envy toward gratitude and gratefulness so I want you to think about I had this great epiphany when I was learning about the Dead Sea and um, I've also, uh, there was a great pastor that spoke on this um, briefly. He spoke on this idea and his name is Mark Brough and he's a great pastor out in Valencia, California for I think Real Life Church. And I loved it when he brought in to, he was talking also about gratitude and he brought in the idea of the Dead Sea and the difference between life and death. And so I found a great article as well that they had written about and it's called the Tale of Two Seas. And I did not know this, but the Sea of Galilee is found in, in northern Israel. And in Jesus' time, this, this sea was, a str- was around a string of thriving cities. And it was teeming with life. And the fisheries of this region were famous for their robust trade. And this is really where Jesus found the, quote, the fishers of men. And it's the same sea where Jesus told the disciples to cast their nets to offer their boat, you know, to to the side of their boat. And they caught so many fish, they struggled to bring them all in. So the Sea of Galilee is teeming with life. And when you look on the map, you can see that the Sea of Galilee is fed from the north from the famous Jordan River, which is where Jesus was also baptized. And that river flows into the Sea of Galilee. That's where the water comes in, goes out. And so this is really important because the Southern Sea, which is the Dead Sea, is only in a quote-unquote receive-only mode. All the water flows in, none of it flows out. So see, the Jordan River feeds the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee dumps into the Dead Sea. And so... The Dead Sea is receiving this amazing water. But because it has no outflow, it's dead. So one sea is full of flow. The other sea is full of woe. So this kind of starts us thinking. These seas are a lot like people. Many of us are Christians that have the same problem. We get the water of God's blessings, his lifeblood, his son, his Holy Spirit. But what flows out? So Jesus' intention is that the flow is out. And one of the ways we do that is through gratitude. If we're not grateful people, we really have nothing to give. And so if we don't have this outflow of gratitude... Which is thanking God's people and being thankful for what they do and thankful for God for what He's doing for us, how much He stabilizes us, how much He continues to sustain us, then we become dead. And so many people who hold on to everything they have and will not let anything, will not be generous and grateful. They have a scarcity mentality. They have a narrow focus because life is all about them. And their theology is that God is working for me. And God's sole purpose is to bless me and to take care of me. Which makes for greed and envy. So when we think of this, we ask ourselves, I have a choice. Would I prefer to be alive or to be dead? And I'm not, I'm talking metaphorically. So I already can, I I mean, I know what this feels like. It's like, yeah, I want to be alive, but what is the price for being alive? Here's the irony. The more we try to hold the Jesus in, the more stagnant we become. It's counterintuitive to think that the best use of the Holy Spirit is let it go. But see, consider this. Even though the Dead Sea is polluted with chemicals, it could be swept clean. If only there was one, ongoing supply of fresh clean water and it let it out see the dead sea could find life again if it would open up if it would let it flow so we have to remember that we get into this this grasping hands feel of we have a scarcity feeling and that always is part of being ungrateful the more thankful I am, the more I know I have the more I know I have, the more generous I can become. The more generous I am, the more I get back. So we want to ask ourselves how do we allow that flow of gratitude? How do we do that? And that is, number one ways we do that is we first Identify what we're grateful for and we practice that as a discipline every day and we use that emotional muscle to be disciplined So that we really naturally are grateful people People that want To thank people that want to give that gift that notice what people are doing for you for others See, we talked about Robert Emmons. And, and I love this. This is his saying. He says, Gratitude has never until recently been examined or studied by scientific psychologists. It is possible that psychology ignored gratitude because it appears on the surface to be very a, a very obvious emotion, lacking in interesting complications. We receive a gift from a friend, from family, from God, and then we feel pleasurably grateful. But while the emotion... Seemed simplistic even to him in his research. He said he soon discovered that gratitude is deeper, it's more complex, it's a more complex phenomenon that plays a critical role in human happiness. Gratitude is literally one of the few things that can measurably change people's life. I mean, that's phenomenal. See, so gratitude is the key to happiness. So we argue f- from a scientific angle. Happiness itself is a good thing. It's an implicit assumption that many of us hold is that happiness depends on what we say is happenings. That my happiness depends on what's happening to me. And what we find is that this whole idea of happiness really comes from gratitude. The more grateful a person is, the the happier they are. And the benefits of happiness include higher income, superior work outcome, greater potential, greater quality of work, larger social rewards, more satisfying longer marriages, more friends. You want to be around happy people, right? Happiness can be very contagious. Well, happiness, true happiness, does not come from all the things happening to me. Yes, can give me a moment of happiness. But to have ongoing happiness has everything to do with gratitude. Gratitude boosts happiness. See, this is one of the most powerful things for people to understand. The first study that Emmons did, he conducted with his team. And it revealed, at the end of 10 weeks, they examined differences between the three groups of all of the well-being outcomes that they measured the outset of the study. So the participants in the gratitude condition felt far better about their lives as a whole and were more optimistic about the future than the participants in either of the uh, other control conditions, which was nothing or being negative. So when they put it into numbers, they, they found that a 25% increase in happiness for participants that were grateful. Participants that kept a journal where they described minimum of five things they were grateful for were 25% happier than the other groups. So what are you thankful for? What are you thanking God for? I, I have things I thank God for frequently, so I want to say to you, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for this radio station. I'm glad that in a world that's quite contentious toward Christianity and spirituality and sometimes psychology, that they are so supportive of this. I'm very thankful for my producers, Jeremy. I'm very thankful for my producer, Chris. They do great work and they continue to do it and nobody even knows who they are. And they continue to do it. I'm thankful for my church. They keep showing up every Sunday. Keeps pushing against the darkness. Even when people are mad at them. Even when people don't like what they're saying or how they're running the church and complaining all the time about the way the church is. I'm, I'm thankful for my church that's not perfect, but it keeps trying. I'm very thankful for domesticated animals. I love all the dogs and the cats I've owned over the years. And I'm thankful that God makes domestic animals. They offer a different kind of comfort. You know, I'm very thankful for my friends. They continue to love me. Even when sometimes I'm not very lovable, I'm thankful for my mother, who really works hard at being a good mom, even at the very I mean, my goodness, she's been my mom a long time. she knows me very well. And I'm thankful she and my father adopted me. I'm very thankful that they did that. And I got to tell her that yesterday on Mother's Day. I'm thankful for my husband that continues to love me and live with me. <laughs> and he's so supportive of the dreams and the endeavors and the things the calling that god has on my life i'm very thankful for clients that invite me into the most intimate part of their lives and they give me the privilege of helping to change their lives and make their lives better i'm thankful for arizona i'm thankful for the united states i'm thankful for so many things i'm thankful for god's grace For his unconditional love. For the fact that he keeps hanging in there with his creation. So I want you to think about what are you grateful for? Who do you need to thank? Who do you need to say thank you to? And I don't want you to be shy about it. They may not respond well, but I don't care. I don't want you to care. Just do it anyways. Start this new practice of gratitude and thanking the people in your life thanking the ones that, that you love that are good to you and also to the ones that continue to support you and thank god more than anything for your life you are valuable you are worthwhile you are wanted and god is very thankful that he created you so i'm praying for you make sure you check out the website Have a wonderful rest of your day. To
0: hear today's program again, or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version.